Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It's time to get green. Doug Oster and Jessica Walliser are here. All natural, no pesticides, no artificial ingredients. The Organic Gardeners are on KDKA Radio. Here we go. It's another edition of the Organic Gardeners and Doug's final day at the Duquesne Light Pittsburgh Home and Garden Show. So get down and say hello to Uncle Dougie. He would love to see you. By the way, 10th caller right now wins our first gift certificate giveaway from the good folks at Sorgles, 412-922-1020. And they would love, especially with daylight savings time, they're a little tired. They want you to do the work. So get on the phone and give them a call, 866-391-1020. Dollar Bank Instant Access, kdkradio.com. Text me on the right out of the middle line, best deal in town. Here he is, Doug Oster, and here she is, Jessica Wallace. Good morning. Good morning. This is um, Doug Oster. Where am I? Uh, every, yeah, I don't, take it over, Jess. I'm going home. And I'm horticulturist Jessica Wallace. Apparently, I'm the only person awake in the studio. No, I'm fine. Shelby was awake this morning. I'm wide Ashley's awake. Ashley's awake. It's yeah. the women that are awake this morning. What? Who? Yeah, just not uh, Doug, I, I guess. agree. You're awake. You're awake, I Rob. am awake. You're awake. I can get the coffee in hand. You and Doug both have your coffee in hand simultaneously. I don't have coffee. Yeah, but well, you have the Davy Tree mug. That's pretty cool. I know. We both, we matching. Mm. When, when are they starting back? I don't know. Sometime. Soon. Oh, Start cutting soon. trees or something. I don't know. Oh, geez. Hey, just <laughs> shut up and do your job, will you? Come on. Be happy. <laughs> my last day at the home show. You had a great run. People love you down there. Talking about my favorite plants. And the most important thing... Giving away Heart of Italy tomatoes. There you go. Come on down and see me. Okay. It'll be fun. (laughs) And you have a chance to win a flower carpet rose. Holy cow. And I got all sorts of pollinator seeds. You want to come for free? Check out the details at everybodygardens.com and come see my friends at Chapin's. You woke up very suddenly there, didn't you? They have a nice booth and they have these really cool looking wind chimes and they have something you would love. Habitat for beneficial bugs like those oh, houses. Oh, those little bug hotels. And I have a question for you because I saw something online. Do those butterfly houses work? No. Okay. No, they do not. Now, the thing at Chapman's is not They're a butterfly cute, house. The thing at Chapman's is a cool thing. It works. It's got the holes in it. and one, But the butterfly house has just got like, and that's just somewhere. I, I saw that somewhere else. I saw that online or something. Mm-hmm, and it just mm-hmm. has a little slit in it for a butterfly. Right, right. The, but the butterflies don't typically go in there the ones that overwinter like the morning cloaks and the um uh commas and question marks that overwinter in the garden they'll be out under the leaf litter or in a you know under some tree bark or something like that they won't go in the little butterfly house but they're cute i mean they're cute to hang up but those uh the insect hotels like they have at the Mm -hmm. chaplain's booth those that's really more for our little native bees so, um, like the leafcutter bees and the mason bees, they will nest in little tiny holes like that. 
And so those insect hotels really become a nice little place for them to set up their brood chambers and help pollinate your fruit trees. Have you been outside? Is anything pushed up in your garden? You know what? I was out yesterday. What was I doing? I don't even remember. Oh, I went out to check on the chickens and stuff. And the strawberries, interestingly enough, my strawberries have little tiny baby leaves already Mm. starting to to emerge, which is definitely a little bit early for them. But they're in a raised bed, so I think it, it kind of dries out sooner and... It's really in a nice, sunny, exposed spot, so we have but to they'll do, be fine. We have to do our annual warning, too wet to dig. Mm, isn't it, though? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm always big on planning on St. Patrick's Day, but it, the soil just isn't ready, you know? That's another week away, but, you know, and if I plant this early in the season, next week, i got to throw compost down. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't, can't be digging. Although I am excited about, it. I'm waiting for the, the crocuses. Even when you know, even when the snow was was still on that bed, <laughs> I could see they were just starting to poke through. That just for the, I guess the day length makes them come up. I don't know because mm-hmm. it wasn't warm enough. And I figure today and tomorrow would be some snow crocuses. Get one sunny day, man, they're gonna go. Mm-hmm. I can't wait. It's just oh, that was a tough start to March. I thought cold. I, I couldn't agree more. But you should explain to people when you talk about planting on St. Patrick's Day. Your, what you're planting is cold season Yeah, super cold crops. stuff. Peas, lettuce, radish. Onion of, sets. Yeah, stuff like that. Yeah. You know, stuff that can take the cold, Don't care about, doesn't care about the frost. But the soil really matters with those because oh, if yeah. you put peas in, if you plant your pea seeds and the soil is too wet, They'll rot. they're going to rot in the ground. So it doesn't matter that you planted them nice and early because they're going to rot. So it's better to wait so the soil is just right, dries out, it's a nice texture. And and we always like to say that when you, you'll know that it's ready when you go out with your spade, your shovel, and you go out to dig and you turn it over. If it's sticking to the shovel it's and clumping, it's much too wet to be out and working and it. And you'll so be battling sort of like those a good clumps test. the rest of the year. Yes, because they'll, they kind of dry into a solid clod and then you end up with lots of problems. Anything new for you this year? Uh, you know, I haven't really thought very much about my garden mm. yet this year. It's been a busy, well, busy winter. Well, you just finished two books. Yes, I did. And I am, I'm needing a little bit of a garden rest. So I will uh, start thinking about, I haven't actually even ordered my seeds from the seed catalogs or anything like that. So I'm, but I always know that my local nurseries have a good stock too. So if I don't get to order from the catalogs, I'll just head down and, and pick up some seeds I'll off the rack. I have some weird stuff for you. Okay, good. You, know. you always do. You always hook me up with some couple of funky tomatoes and some uh, good flowers. That's fu- one really fun thing about the home show is the the seeds that people bring. You know, they, they bring boy one one guy comes every year. He sent me a email. He said, "I won't be able to make it down this weekend. Had a massive heart attack. Heart, heart attack. Oh Survived the Widowmaker, uh, but I'll be down probably Tuesday. That doctor wants me to walk and everything. And he came and brought me some oh seeds. Goodness. Was telling me, yeah, I drove myself to the hospital. You know, if I would have waited for the ambulance, I wouldn't be here. I was like, jeez. Now that's a, a fan. That's a fan. <laughs> yeah, right, right. I have people say, you're going to cause me a heart attack, so I'm not coming down. All right, listen, we're going to take a call right now, but I want to remind all of you, we'd love to hear from you. So fill up these phone lines, 866-391-1020. Congratulations to Martha from Clinton, winner of that gift certificate to Sorgles. Here's Rich and Crafton. Hey, Rich. Hey, good morning, guys. Hey, Doug, I heard my friends Lauren and Joe saw you at the home show yesterday. Uh, yeah, they did. Uh, my question is about these cicadas that they only come up once every 17 years. 
it's a lot of grasshoppers all over the place, and now you never see a grasshopper. I was just, could you explain this? I assume it's the all the weed killers they put on these lawn services and stuff. Yeah, so we missed a little bit of the call there because it cut out, but the, the periodic cicadas, yes, this is supposed to be the year that the 17 cicadas, or 17 year cicadas emerge. So well, the what was different it a couple, broods. Yeah, what was it a couple years ago? Though? Well, there's always is that cicadas. the 11? Yeah, there's different broods of them, so different pockets of the country have them come out and even different pockets of the state will have them come out at different times depending where they are in that life cycle so um, i believe this is the year for the brood that's allegheny county that this is the 17 year that they're supposed to come out so you know they can predict what it's going to be like based on populations of the last 17 year cycle um, which was pretty crazy 17 years ago so I think they're thinking it's going to, you know, there's going to be a lot. But the the truth is that these insects, they don't eat your plants. Like cicadas, period, the 17-year cicadas and even the dog day cicadas, they don't eat your plants. They lay eggs in the tips of trees, the tree branches. So the female cuts these little, I don't know what to even call them, little, uh, they're not really holes. They're kind of like slits down the length of the stem and deposits eggs. So they can cause a little bit of tip dieback. But other than that, they're are not there really. Are certain trees they like better than others? They're just going to find the trees they want. They're going to find the trees they want. Yeah. If somebody was telling me at the show. There might be preferences. Some kind of fruit tree that 17 years ago they had trouble with. But yes. For the most part. Yeah, ours was on the maple in the front yard. So you know, I think it. It, but it's nothing you can't prune out, and they're not going to cause significant damage. And the grasshoppers, I had read something about them as well. And I think there's a lot of insects. Well, I know that there's a lot of insects that are in massive population decline, and. Personally, I do think it has a lot to do with the uh, systemic insecticides that we put on our lawns and that uh, are on a lot of nursery plants. So this is why buying from local nurseries is very good versus a big box that uses those. Well, you'd be happy to hear that, you know, everybody at the show is very, you know, on our our page saying like, you know, we want to bring in, we want to help the bugs. We want to help pollinators. We Mm -hmm. don't want to use chemicals. Mm -hmm. So hopefully the tide's changing. 866-391-1020, dollar bank, instant access, kdkradio.com. Text us on the right automotive line, best deal in town. Doug and Jessica teach you how to keep it green. The Organic Gardeners are on KDKA Radio. All right, we're back talking about the Duquesne Light Pittsburgh Home and Garden Show. Crowds have been phenomenal, huh? Oh, I think yesterday was the busiest I ever saw it. It's just this this crush of people walking through their... (laughs) Inch by inch, step trying by step, to get right. to the <laughs> to the Doug Oster stage. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank goodness he's not you know stuck on himself. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> hey, good morning. I like to say I'm kind of a big deal. You know, he used to be conceited to have found out he was perfect. But anyway, folks, uh, good morning. I have an astral red poinsettia. I notice the leaves are starting to green up and the plant is growing. I would like to move it into a larger pot. Can I do that? And what about fertilizer? That's from Dan. Well, no problem putting it in a bigger pot. Uh, good for you, keeping that poinsettia go. I got like four or five poinsettias going. Uh, that poinsettia series that I always talk about, pink and white, that thing loves growing indoors. And yeah, pot it up and... I don't know. Where are we? Yeah, I guess we could fertilize now, huh? Yep, yep. 
and within the next couple of weeks, you can start. I wouldn't overdo it though with poinsettias um, because you can get really yeah, tall, you really lanky growth. Really don't need any fertilizer on that. Yeah. So oh, especially if you're going to use new potting soil, when you repot it, if you're going to use a new potting soil that has a slow release fertilizer in it, you do not need to add any supplemental fertilization for like six months after that. So I would just, which pretty much gets you through, you know, the the period of time that we would be actively fertilizing those, any house plants anyway. So. Um, yeah, I think you'd be fine. It's gonna it's gonna be lush and beautiful this summer. Like they, yeah, they take make it outside. such great plants. Take it outside when we get to the end of May and you'll love it out there. Derek in Natrona Heights up next for Doug and Jeff, the organic gardeners, KDK Radio. Hey Derek. Hey there. Uh, I got a question for you about pumpkins. And my question I you know, I just love eating them, but you know, I figured I could grow myself. But I was just wondering, you know, what would be the best time to plant them and you know, what's the difficulty, you know, to take care of them and what might be the best time to you know harvest for the seeds and bake them yeah so pumpkins are actually pretty easy to grow um you want to wait to sow the seeds directly outdoors into the garden don't do them indoors under lights because they don't like to be transplanted so they're best planted right out into the garden after may 15th so may 15th is our average last frost date here in western pennsylvania so you're going to want to wait until after that date to put them in um let me stop you real quick oh Used to be, they used to say plant them in hills, not meaning a hill, but vine crops like five like seeds. Like on a mind. To, five yeah. seeds together. Or a mound. Is that? You can. You can, yeah, you can plant them in a mound, you know, uh, groups of three together or five seeds together on a mound of soil that you kind of build up, uh, which does help improve drainage, especially in our kind of clay soils. But you don't have to. I mean, you can plant them just as a regular row crop. Um, you know, I would skip a container unless you can get like a 60 gallon container because they are really big, big plants. Um, but they're really easy to grow. I think probably for a lot of people, the biggest problem that they have is that they, they forget what heavy feeders pumpkins are. And drinkers. Yes. So you have to make sure that you, I, I like to mulch with straw. So that keeps the fruits off of the ground and it really helps the moisture levels retain moisture in the soil, cuts down on weeds. So make sure you mulch the plants really well. Shredded up leaves would be another good thing you could use to mulch. Um, and then I like to fertilize with a liquid organic fertilizer. So uh, like the Espoma, Espoma company has one called Grow that's really good. You that could is use a great one. Kelp emulsion. Mm-hmm. You could use uh, seaweed or um, uh, fish emulsion. That would be another good one. But you want to make sure that you keep those plants regularly fed, and of course, work lots of compost into the soil. And then, do you have any kind of favorite variety that you like to grow as far as pumpkins? For like, if you're talking about jack o' lantern pumpkins, like sort of that traditional orange pumpkin, I really like a variety called Howden. H O W D E N. But then, if you're talking about eating pumpkins. Like I think he's talking about for actually eating the flesh. I love like the Cinderella pumpkins. That's the one I was going to talk about. Yeah. I love that one. It's almost red and flat. And... It's like a cheese wheel. It looks yeah. like a cheese wheel. Yeah. yeah. But for the for the Howden, I mean, would the seeds be kind of the same from like a Howden as a Cinderella? Would they still be as tasty or would they be different? I don't know. Uh that's a very good question. I mean, some of but them... But flesh-wise, the Cinderella one's better. Oh, definitely, because yeah. it's a thicker thicker um, amount of flesh. The Howdens are pretty thin-fleshed, but the seed cavity is different in different pumpkins. So as you're looking for... If, you're, if your goal is to get the seeds, harvest the seeds for consumption, I might look at a variety that actually says 
for seed production mm. because it probably has a larger seed cavity. It produces more seeds. So there are some that are actually bred for seed production. And those vines will go everywhere. Everywhere. <laughs> I hope you have lots of room. <laughs> they're fun to grow, though. They are. And they're one of those plants that, you know, you just, you put that little seed in, it's the size of your thumbnail. And you think to yourself, you know, you have faith, right? When you put it in and then the next thing you know, it's just this giant 10 foot long vine and these big pumpkins. You have to be a, what we call a vine wrangler. You've got to (laughs) move them around and that's what I do anyway. Yeah. You know, okay, you go on the edge of the fence and around the outside and then to the gate and around again. So you like train them? Uh Oh, I just let mine go wherever they want to go. Well, I don't have enough room. I got got to keep moving somewhere else until they go, you know, circle the garden two or three times. Yeah. Mine usually go out up over the fence and into the yard. (laughs) So we have to mow around them, which is fine. But yeah, they're worth it. All right. Let's say hi now to Ann up next for Doug and Jess calling from the North Hills on the Organic Gardeners on KDK Radio. Hey, Ann. Good morning. I want to know what I need to do to raise successful delphiniums from seed, and then I have question two. Well, do you have any prayer cards? I'm, uh, I'm sorry? <laughs> <laughs> He's being a smart Alec. <laughs> they're, they're hard to grow. I had better luck with delphiniums in zone five than I do here. They, yeah. you know, they like it cool. They, they don't reliably come back. What, what should they do, Jess? You ever grow them? Uh, you I, like larkspur. I like larkspur better just Which because it's a lot like it. easier. But uh, the delphiniums, man, when they there's they nothing ama- like them. It's amazing. There's it's nothing the most- like them. I think part of the big issue with the delphiniums here in Western Pennsylvania is we have acidic soil. Our soils are naturally acidic. Delphiniums like a very sweet soil. So whatever place you plant them in the garden, I would make sure that you get the soil tested there, and that you make sure that it's on the alkaline side and not the acidic side because that's where they're going to be happiest. Um, they also don't like to have very wet soil. So, Did like you a, say wet soil? Yeah, they don't like wet soil. So they don't. That, okay. do, that doesn't but they, mean... But they like water. Exactly. That's what I was <laughs> no going to say. wet soil, but they, they like water. <laughs> exactly. That doesn't mean you should let them dry out. But what they, what they need to have is well-drained soil. So they need okay. regular irrigation, but they need well, well-drained soil. So this is why something like a raised bed would be a great place to try to grow delphinium because okay. it is well-draining and you can monitor the soil pH a little bit better in there. And the, But you still need a prayer card. You'll still need <laughs> lots of luck on your side because they are challenging plants to grow start here Start with seeds or plants, Jess? If you can get plants, you can start with plants. But I have a feeling she's going to have... You can't even get plants in the nursery trade very... I mean, you can sometimes in like a gallon perennial pot, but you might be better off starting your own I can't remember the seed. name of the... Pacific, Pacific Pacific Giant Hybrid. To, yep, I used to grow. Yeah, you recommend that for here? That I would try that one. Yep, I think that you could try any variety here, but you got to make sure that your soil is the best that let, it can be for. Let them. us know and give it a try. They're beautiful. Pacific Giants, the fifi fo fum of the garden world, right? <laughs> All right, listen, uh, Doug and Jess, just getting warmed up. Doug, again, going to be at the Duquesne Light Pittsburgh Home and Garden Show. Final day today. Get down and enjoy over 1,800 exhibitors. I mean, 10,000 products, 10 acres, all under one roof. It's an incredible event. Congratulations to John Asanis, his son, and the whole crew, and everybody who works at the convention center for a job well done. More to come today. Rob Pratt Sunday here on KDK Radio. Doug and Jessica teach you how to keep it green. The Organic Gardeners are on KDKA Radio.
All right, we have a dollar bank instant access we're going to get to, but we have some open phone lines too. So if you've ever wanted to ask a question to Doug and Jess, now would be the time. And you can also maybe ask them, you know, what they like to eat, what they like to go on vacation, whatever. We want to hear from you. What's that? Shoe size, whatever you need. Yeah, whatever you need. We got it. Uh, by the way, we do have a dollar bank instant access I mentioned. We'll get to that. But the 10th caller right now wins a $25 gift certificate from Janoski's. And a week from today, they're a big St. Patrick's Day buffet at the restaurant. Yes, yeah, St. Patrick's Day, a week from today. Now, here it is. I have read that planting pumpkins can be effective for choking out knotweed. Is that true? Thanks, Tom, on the north side. It's an excellent question. And I just happened to write something about this recently. Um, And pumpkins meant not every kind of pumpkin, but many pumpkins produce a compound from their roots and their leaves. That's what's called allelopathic, which means it inhibits the growth of other plants. So a lot of people know that you can't grow much underneath a black walnut tree, right? Because it has juglone, which is a compound that's allelopathic. So pumpkins are another plant, and there's actually many of them, that produce these chemicals to prevent other plants near th- from growing near them, right? So a lot of times people will use pumpkins to help limit and control weed growth in certain areas. Now, can that, it effectively that, control knotweed? That being said. Right. <laughs> knotweed is, as you know, has these thick underground rhizomes. It's a very pernicious and invasive weed. Um, I do think that the, I have read also that the pumpkins can help restrict its growth and its spread, but it's not going to completely get rid of the knotweed. But I will tell you, though, that it works great in a vegetable. Like if you have a vegetable garden that's overrun by weeds, plant pumpkins in there for a year and just let them do their thing. And then the next year, then put down a mulch really early, heavy in the season, and you can get some good weed control uh, by doing that method. So, and that Howden pumpkin is actually a really good variety for that. Um, And because it's one that's sort of been standardly used to help manage weeds um, in in big like organic farms and things like that. But it's not going to completely get rid of your Japanese knotweed. I wish it were that easy, but it's not. Yeah. So we talked about, you know, starting some of these things right in the ground early, but, you know, when we're thinking about what we're going to be growing during the summer and getting seeds and stuff, you know, California Wonder Pepper is one that takes a long time to be ready, but then you've got some other ones that don't take quite as long. And all that information is on the seed packet, counting back those days from germination, figuring out what you're going to grow in the garden. And that's actually that reading the seed packet, seed packets are a great resource for determining when the right time is to plant things for here in Western Pennsylvania or wherever you live for, for folks listening on the internet. So if you if you do flip that seed packet over, Doug mentioned the days to germination. There's also something on there called the days to maturity, which is the amount of time that it takes for the plant to become mature enough to start to flower in the case of that pepper. My days to maturity were 72 years. <laughs> is that it? Mm-hmm. You're still waiting. Yep. You got a long way to go. <laughs> so I'm not going to go there. But anyway, uh, so that's a good way to gauge when you should plant the seed. So if you look at, um, you know, something like a tomato where, you know, ideally you'd like to be picking tomatoes July 4th, July 15th, somewhere in there. And then you count backwards from that date, then you can estimate estimate the, the day that you should plant those seeds indoors. So it's way too early to plant our eggplants and peppers and tomatoes indoors uh, under grow lights, but it's not too early to plant things like cabbage 
and kale and Brussels sprouts and broccoli. These are cool season crops that go out into the garden early and you can start sowing their seeds indoors under lights now and they'll be ready to go in a couple of weeks out into the garden. All right, let's say hello to John. He's calling today from McMurray for Doug and Jess, the Organic Gardeners. Next hour, the Coons Cooking Hour on KDK Radio. Hey, John. Yeah, good morning. Is it too early to plant uh, onion seeds and lettuce seeds in the ground outside? I think you're a few weeks early for the lettuce. Um, I usually go with mid to late March for lettuce outside. Again, it's going to get cold, cold again. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, watch the forecast. Wait until you can get out there. We talked earlier about making sure that the soil is not too wet. That's really important. Um, As for lettuce or onion seeds, this is this. It's interesting because a lot of people will grow their onions from sets. But actually, I always get much bigger onions by growing from seed. And you can even plant onion seeds the, the fall before if you want. And then they'll germinate very late in the fall before, and they just sit in the ground, and then they germinate at exactly the right time in the spring. See, he's ready to go. So We want to plant something, you know, and I want to plant something, too. I think tomorrow, actually, I'm going to plant some lettuce in the greenhouse Yeah, because I, I can get away with that. I think if you want to do something early, I, if you really want to do something early, I would pick radishes. Yeah, that's a great idea. Because radishes can really Never even... Never had much success with radishes. And wh- how wh- how were you doing it? When were you planting the seeds? Oh, early, but uh, I think the soil isn't right for radishes where I'm at. I think you need more sand. I just don't have the sandy step soil. You know, I would, ju- I would just buy a bag of compost, five bucks, and I would throw it down on that bed. That's what I do for my radishes. And when you're starting early... You get the radish to sprout, it's it's going to do its thing for you. Again, if you're in the light soil, the light compost is a great medium for it. Yeah, and I actually, I have very clay-based soil. I mean, everybody here in western Pennsylvania does, and I grow really good radishes. But I think maybe a lot of times with root crops like radishes, and they don't form a, a nice little bulb on there, it's usually a twofold problem. One is we have a weather issue, so we have like a burst of warm weather in the middle of the spring, and that sometimes can mess up the radishes. And number two is the soil pH. Um, do, have you had your soil tested lately for pH? Yeah, I have, and it seems to be pretty good. Uh, all right. add a little lime to it on occasion, but all right. that's good. it. That's good. That's good, because a lot of times people have soil that's too far on the acidic side, which can affect the root production of radishes as well. So I would give them a try again Thing because I, okay. they're they're one of the things we can get out really early with them and do our exercise our green thumbs. Same thing with arugula. And with, with the radishes, the thinnings you can eat the whole thing. Yep. it's wonderful. Uh, if it doesn't head up, if you've got a couple of them that don't head up, let them go to flower. The flowers are very good for pollinators, and then they put on what I love those little. Seed pods, they taste just like radishes. When they're little like that, they're tender. When you have a salad at my house, it's a leap of faith. You never know what you're going to find in there. Could be weeds. Nasturt. Oh, we'd plenty of weeds in there. Dandelions, weeds, parsley. Sure. Doug and Jessica teach you how to keep it green. The Organic Gardeners are on KDKA Radio. All right, gang, congratulations are in order for Judy from McDonald, winner of that gift certificate to Janoski's. Doug and Jess on the air. Do you grow dahlias? Uh, some dahlias, yes, but usually I don't o- dig them up to overwinter them. I just buy them and treat them as an annual. Um, I have done that plenty of times in the past, but I don't usually do I that. have a, a friend, a gardening friend that is like a dahlia nut, and she sent me a message the other day saying, 
32 potted up. Like she's already getting them potted up oh, and ready. To come yeah, out. that's smart, right? That's smart. She got this. A, seems really early though to even get them I'll potted tell you what, up. She, she her whole front yard wow. and her whole side yard is dahlias, and you know. Oh, I bet that's beautiful. She was at Longwood. She said she bought like ten new ones. Yeah. And I mean, she has so many dahlias. It's um, I love going there at the end of the season and taking pictures of those flowers because, yeah. man, they are amazing. And that's a good way to get a jump start on the season with those dahlias, potting them up indoors, uh, like in a six-inch pot or eight-inch pot, You know, planting those roots up, letting them sprout. You can pinch them once or twice, right, to get a nice bushy, bushier plant, more flowering branches on it. And then you get flowers earlier, which is like, one of the things that with dahlias for me that drives me a little crazy is it does take so long to get those flowers, and I am kind of impatient. Well, with I wish that. I, I wish I could remember the the ones from Proven Winners. Winners, I can't remember their name, but they have a whole series mm. that are not day length sensitive or whatever it is that makes a dahlia bloom Blue later. Late. Okay, uh, it, but it doesn't make a tuber much of a tuber. Oh. So, uh, like three or four years ago at. Uh, the trade show in Baltimore, mm-hmm. I met the Proven Winners guy, and he's like, oh, these dahlias are amazing because they'll bloom like an annual. You mm-hmm. know, they'll they'll start blooming in mm-hmm. May and go all the way through. But again, no no big tuber, which in your case would be no problem. Because- <laughs> right, exactly. Well, and I do like the, the, um, the ones you can grow from seed. Like you can grow some dahlias from seed as well. And sometimes you'll see them for sale at a nursery in like a four-pack or, or a little three-inch pot. They're usually, you know, much smaller in stature. They're often like a single flower instead of all those double petals. But man, they are so prolific in how they bloom that it's almost worth just growing a few dahlias that you either buy from seed or start yourself from seed just because of the fact that you have a consistent production of flowers and they flower earlier than the the bigger ones. But there's nothing like those big dinner plate Mm -hmm. dahlias, man. You know, Mm -hmm. when the blooms are the size of your head, uh, you know, it makes you feel pretty good about your green. And when you're talking about me, that's a big head. <laughs> that's a, that's big, a big Irish, big round Irish head. head. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Too fun. But there are such love. Like, you know, my favorite Dahlia variety, if I if I had to choose, I love Cafe Olay. Have you I don't seen know that, that one? one, but uh, my oh, favorite my is Mystic Illusion, uh, almost black foliage with yellow flowers. And then there's another one. That has the black foliage and red flowers, but I don't I've know the seen, name. I've I don't seen know the that name. one. I've yeah. seen that one. When we were in Buffalo um, for the Garden Writers Conference a few years ago, and one of the things that we do at that conference is we get to go and see all these local gardens that you know normally wouldn't be open to the public, but they allow access to the Garden Writer groups. And there was just this incredible garden that really had quite a lovely focus on foliage. So it wasn't so much about you know, flashy flowers everywhere as it was just sort of this blend of different foliage colors and textures. And they had that dahlia and with the real dark foliage and Mm. the orange flowers, and they had it partnered with orange leaved coleus and like a chartreuse elephant ear. And it was such a, I thought, what a great combination of plants and a great, you know, mixture of textures, mixture of foliage colors, just, you know, there were like one or two dahlias on the plant, flower-wise. It was all about the foliage. Really, I love that. I, I love just all I the actually foliage. got some elephant ears again to win her over inside, uh, one called Maui Gold. I get As a it. plant? Yep. It's like a house plant. Nice. I, I get them at the end of the season from Han. They're just, they're, they use them as pond plants. And they're just like, you want these? Otherwise, we're just going into the dumpster. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'll try and keep them going. And then last year, got them go through the year, put them outside in May. Man, they went crazy great 
like thriller for me for the inside of a container. I'm, you know, with all the shade. Mm-hmm. And now they look they look great on the windowsill. As the days are getting longer, we're getting more light. They, they're looking good. So I'm looking forward to putting those out. Those will go out in the greenhouse probably end of April. Okay. And then out in the garden in, in May. But when you're just at this point where you can get out, you, you get warm days, what's the first thing that you do when you start kicking around the garden and just kind of looking at it? Is there things to be cleaned up? Are there things to be thought about? Yeah. Well, I mean, I used to start my cleanup on these warm days in in March, but now that I've you know know so much more about our pollinators and our, our native insects and how really they don't start emerging from their winter hibernation, let's say uh, until the temperatures are regularly in, in the fifties. So I try not to disturb my garden at all until a little bit later in the month when the temperatures start to go up a little bit. Are you looking at your beds and thinking what's going to go where? Do you know where everything's going to go? Um, I haven't thought about any of that yet. <laughs> I really haven't. I just, I haven't had time to think much about it. I did go out and prune my blueberries. So that's something you can do now. Prune your raspberries. That's something you can get started with. Um, really for me this time of year, it's more about starting seeds indoors, about getting prepped for that, choosing the varieties I'm going to grow in the vegetable garden and uh, ordering seeds and even thinking about like what varieties of potatoes I'm going to grow, you know, like that, that's something I still have yet to do. I'm, I'm not, haven't done my planning yet. So <laughs> at the, at the home show, uh, this is the kind of the fun, weird little things that can happen. A uh, guy came up to me and he had a picture on his phone and he said, I'm trying to find this. Would you have seeds for this tomato? And it was called Dagma's Perfection. Now, I knew what it was right away because I just did a story on a guy, uh, Gary Ibsen from Tomato Fest, whose wife's name is Dagma. Hmm. He named a tomato after her. Oh. And so I said, I got to take a picture of this picture. And yeah. I took a picture of it and sent it to Gary. Uh, he's the guy that uh, mm-hmm. gets up early in the morning, uh, you know, gives his wife some tea and Dagma yes. wakes yep. up the whole, yep. the, you yep. know, the whole story. And yep. so he was so excited that, you know... Isn't that funny how things 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 go around like that? Is there a caller there, Rob? You know what? We are out of time. All right, good. Uh, we're going to have a lot of fun down at the home show. I'll tell you that. Come down and see me. I'm speaking at 12, 2, and 4 o'clock. I can't wait uh, to be down there. Uh, we have so much fun. It's going to be crowded, but you know, if you if you want to come a little later, it'll, it'll it'll thin out. Remember, the organic gardeners always aim to create a better place to garden and a safer place to live. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.